Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I'm excited to share this message with you today. I pray the Lord ministers to you as you listen. Hi, everybody. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Good to see you. This is my, it was my birthday last week, and thank you. It's too late, too late. Uh, my wife bought me a watch with a compass. I know. And I think she really just wanted me to buy a compass, but she couldn't figure out how to get me to wear just a compass because I have no sense of direction. I, get, I leave a motel room and I go the wrong way like every time. So weird. So she bought me a compass. So now at least I know which direction I'm going that's wrong. <laughs> Good. Well, um, grab a hand. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing uh, in our lives and in this movement and all over the world. And we, we pray for great faith to grow in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I, uh, I've been sharing a, a series on Have Faith in God. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you probably have heard that. There are people who weren't here a couple of weeks ago because you had more important things to do. <laughs> well, if I can't motivate you by vision, I'll try shame, you know, one way or another. <laughs> I'll get you back. But um, I, I want to do the uh, second part of this have faith in God word. I really am feeling challenged myself in my own personal life to believe God for, on, on another level. And I shared in first service that, you know, uh, I have two things going on in my life. The first one is to get back to the faith that I had when I first believed. And I felt the Lord have a conversation with me out of Revelation 2 where he said, um, I didn't feel it was harsh, but he said, hey, that, those deeds you did when you first loved me, I want you to do those deeds again. So I feel like there's this, uh, there's this tension. Uh, Paul Manwaring, is, who's with us today, can we just thank Paul? I just love having him here. Makes me feel so good that you're here. Um, Paul talks about living intentional, in tension. So I feel this tension that I want to, on one hand, get back to the old gym, so to speak, and do the deeds we did at first. But then I also feel like that we're laying a foundation to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And I want my greatest works to be at this, at, in this second half of my life. I want to do greater things than I've ever done before. So I feel like there's this tension that, I, that I'm living in right now. And one is, you know, do the deeds you did at first when you first believed. And second is dream for a time, dream for things that you've never seen in your life. And and I'm in that tension. And so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I'm going to do a little review for those of you that weren't here. You held us back, so. <laughs> now, I totally get it. I'm just being funny. Um, so why don't you turn to First Timothy 1. And I want to just talk about, the first part of this message is about the fight of faith. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, you heard most of this. But Paul uh, writes to Timothy and said in verse 18, I entrust this to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously spoken over you, that you would, by them, fight the good fight, I'm sorry, fight the good fight, keeping the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. And I'd just like to point out that faith is a fight. You know, have you ever been asked, like, what do you do when you pray and nothing happens? Well, I can tell you what you don't do. You don't run and hide. 
What you don't do is run and, you don't, you don't run and complain. But what you do is you keep your faith in the fight, right? So faith is a fight. You're like, I'm not in a fight. Well, then you ain't got no friends. Because how many know that if you have friends, that we are commanded by, by Jesus to, to mourn with those who mourn and to rejoice with those who rejoice. And if you have a big enough friend group, you're always in some fight of faith. It may not be for your personal life, but you're in a fight of faith for someone else's life. Are you with me? And so I, I just want to say that it is very normal to be in a fight. Some, some of us, sometimes we're like, man, I don't know what's going on. It's like, I, it's just like pray and it doesn't happen. It's like you're in the fight of faith. Just keep your faith on the line and, and wait for a breakthrough. And then uh, Paul goes on to say in chapter six of the same first Timothy, he said, fight the good fight and take hold of eternal life. In Romans 1:17, Paul writes that the righteous shall live by faith. Righteous shall live by faith. How many understand that we got saved by faith and we got, we came in to another kingdom. Colossians 1, we were transferred. How many know you got transferred? When you received Jesus, you got a transfer. You got transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. This Colossians 1, 13, you got transferred. And Romans 8, 2 says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. How many know you went to, you're being transferred to a new realm, a new country, and it has new laws? <laughs> How many know if you went to North Korea or you went to Russia or you went to anywhere you go, you go to England, they have different laws about which side of the road you should drive on. <laughs> you, you know, they're confused. <laughs> Well, think about how they messed up the English language. I mean, you know, thank God we, we held on to it. Anyway, joking. Is, <laughs> Paul's down here. I have to harass him every time he comes. I, I'm pointing out that when we got transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, we actually got new laws. And so in Romans chapter 3, verse 27, he says, Paul talks about the fact that we have been transferred to a new kingdom, and now we live by the law of faith. Everybody say, by the law of faith. We live by the law of faith. So we got saved by faith, but when we came into the kingdom, we actually have a whole new law. We have new laws, and those laws are not the, the, not the Old Testament law. You know, Paul said, I'm an apostle, and he said, my goal is to bring, the, bring to the Gentiles the obedience of faith. How many know before Paul was a, was an apostle, he was a Pharisee. And his goal was to bring about the law for people to obey the law of Moses. But how many know when he received Jesus Christ, he came into a new kingdom and the goal isn't to keep people, it, the goal isn't to bring people into the law of obedience to, I'm sorry, to bring people into the obedience to the law, but it's to bring people into the obedience of faith. Are you following me? And so the, the law of our old nature is like this, dog eat dog, survival of the fittest, you know, do unto others as they do unto you. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up, he'll get his. Stand up for yourself, stuff happens. See how I sterilized that last one? <laughs> this is the law of the old country we lived in. Uh, some, some of us are bringing this old country law, we're bringing it into the new kingdom. But how many know that we live by the law of the spirit. We live by the law of faith. And the law of faith is nothing's impossible for those who believe. 
All things work together for good. Angels protect me. The Spirit guides me. Jesus saved me. And the Father adores me. Come on. Humility promotes me. Faith empowers me. Joy fills me. And righteousness shields me. And, the, and His power heals me. I have a heavenly hope, a divine destiny, a timeless legacy. My children are blessed. My inheritance is secure. And my fate is fantastic. This is, come on, you guys. This is the law. This is the law of the spirit. This is the laws of faith I live in. And so when, so when we come into a new kingdom by faith, we don't just come in by faith. We live by faith. We fight the fight of faith. And we, we actually obtain we in, obtain our inheritance through faith. I, I wanted to point out a few uh, more things. Some of this I've shared before. But um, in, in Matthew chapter 9, a blind man comes to Jesus and said, would you heal me? And Jesus said, do you believe I can? And he says, I believe you can. And Jesus said, let it be according to your faith. Let it be according to your faith. In other words, faith creates alternative realities. If, if the blind man believes, he's going to see. His alternative reality was, I was blind, but now I see. And, I, and I, I asked myself the question, what if the primary component to our destiny isn't education, skill, experience, capability, or calling, but instead it's faith? <laughs> what if we are spending our lives waiting for the ultimate opportunity, but God is waiting for us to believe what he already said about us? What, what if... What if our faith is responsible for our current reality? And your daily life is unfolding in the visible realm according to the invisible expectations of your heart. What I'm getting at is, what if your current condition is actually directly related to the faith you have? Now you're like, well, you're trying to say that I'm going through a hard time because it's my fault? No, I'm saying it's your responsibility. Here we go. Are, are you with me? I'm saying, what, you're like, I'm not trying to give you, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to give you hope. If you're anything like me, you have areas of your life where you have great faith. I have great faith for finances. I mean, several years ago, a really generous man, Kathy and I prayed that God would pay off our house. Literally two weeks later, literally two weeks later, a man paid, came, uh, came into a meeting we were in, said, God sent me to pay off your house. And he paid off $486,000 for our house. Yeah, I mean, that's, I can tell you, miracle, miracle after miracle that Kathy and I have had for money. I have great faith for money. When I see the $100 million building, I'm like, I realize it's ridiculous, but so is $486,000 paid off in one day. Are you with me? I'm saying my testimony, my testimony, if I keep my testimony, how many know it raises my faith level? I'm going to go, if God did it before, he'll do it again. And I find in my life, I have great faith for some things, and I'm like Pee Wee Herman and others. Do you have that? Like, it's crazy how small faith, like, I literally have areas that I don't think I've grown in in 50 years of following God. I, I, I'm like, and people are, that's embarrassing. They're like, what do you want me to pray for? I'm like, you sound like a, a grasshopper. And I'm saying that I believe that God, God wants me, Chris Valentin, to grow up in faith. He doesn't want me just to have faith for money. He wants me to have faith for healing. He wants me to have faith for, and I'm not even going to tell you what things I don't have faith for, because then you come up and like, you give me prescriptions, and I don't need your prescriptions. I have enough prescriptions. I just lack faith. <laughs> Here we go. I told you that Paul said 
last, last time I told you, Paul said that the goal of his entire apostleship is to bring about the obedience of faith. Just think about this. He's doing lots of things. He's healing the sick. He has extraordinary miracles. He's talking to kings. He meets with Caesar. But he said the goal of his entire apostleship is that obedience, the obedience of faith. How important is faith? You can't even please God if you don't have faith. We got into the kingdom by faith, but it's important that we extend our life and we grow from faith to faith and we do more than just get saved. Are you with me? So I want to ask you this, like, are you living beyond your means? Because if you're living, faith requires us to live beyond our means, beyond our ability, beyond our natural capacity to perform. Some of you are like, I'm in debt to my eyeballs, to my eyeballs. Yeah, I, I, I live beyond my means. Put everything on MasterCard so he'll pay it off. <laughs> you didn't get that anyway. I, I, I mean, <laughs> we know what it is to live beyond our means where we outspend what we make. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that unless you're living beyond your means, you're not living by faith. You're living by what you can do. And I'm saying we are called to live by what he can do. That means I have to live beyond my means and into his. God's like, I want you to go do this thing. You go, I can't do that. That's the point. That's why he told you to do it. In James chapter one, why don't you turn there? I want to talk about the test of faith. James writes, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter 1.6. He said that the proof of your faith is more precious than gold, which is perishable. And I, I, um, I don't know about you, but when you go through a trial, when you ever think like, why am I, why am I, what did I do wrong? Why am I going through this? I mean, I don't understand. I do everything right. I'm in this trial. I remember many years ago when we had the auto parts stores, you know, you get a mad customer now and then. I remember specifically this one customer because he made such a big scene. He came in the auto parts store. I was in the back. My guys were out front. And I hear this big crash. And I come running out of the back room. And a customer has taken brake shoes. And he's thrown it at my guys. They ducked. They hit the tool boards behind us. And all the tools fell off the tool boards. The tool boards fell down. And there's this big crash. And I come running out the back. I'm probably 30 seconds after it happened. And my guys are in an argument with this customer. I go, time out, guys. Time out. I got this. Mr. Jones, what's going on? Well, oh, I bought these brake shoes from you. I had to get a ride from, from Heim Palm, which is like a three-hour drive. I had to get, get a ride from Heim Palm, and I get the brake shoes, and I had to get a ride back, and I get back, and you give me the wrong brake shoes, and, and he's just furious. Now, I'm thinking, what does Mr. Jones want? Does Mr. Jones want to punish us? Is he looking for money? Does he want the right parts? What does he want? And he, and he continues to yell. I said, Mr. Jones, time out. When you leave here, you're going to be happy. I promise you, you're going to be happy. But what I need to know is what you want. He said, well, I want the right brake shoes and I don't know how I'm going to get to Heim Palm. I, Great. That's what you want? You want the right parts? You want to get to Heim Palm. We found the right parts for him. He happened to give us the wrong year of truck. We get the right parts for him. <laughs> Sometimes we make mistakes, though. It happens. We get, we get him, we, we put him in the parts truck. We drive him three hours to Heim Palm. We drop him off. 
He becomes a great customer. He deals with us for years after that and, you know, taunts our great service. What does Mr. Trial want? When you're in a trial, what does Mr. Trial want? You're like, I don't know why I'm going through this. I'm telling you why you're going through this. Mr. Trial is trying to test your faith. You didn't get what I just said. You're looking at me like this. You should see how you're looking today. You're like, I don't, I don't even know if this is our crowd. You're like, I don't know if this crowd is like, I heard this before, give us something new. That's only, uh, that's, that's two thirds of the crowd. And the other part of the crowd is like, I don't know what's happening. I'm saying, when you're going through a trial, what's a trial? A trial's when you believe this was gonna happen and the opposite is happening. You believed Joseph, it's uh, Psalms uh, 100 something, and it's 105, Psalms 105 verse 19. It says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph until Joseph's word come to pass. What was that? Joseph had a word. He's going to be the leader. He's going to be a ruler. He tells his brothers. He tells his father. You remember the story? And the very next circumstance, everybody say circumstance. The very next circumstance is that Joe is a slave. The next scene in the movie is Joe's a slave. What happened? What happened is the opposite of what he thought was going to happen, what he thought God told him. And he goes from slavery into prison. It's getting worse. But the Bible says that the word of the Lord, what word? You're going to be a ruler. Tested Joseph. What was, what was the test? Joe, will you believe you're going to be a ruler when you're in prison? Will you believe you're going to be a ruler when you're a slave? Are you with me? I'm saying this is a fight of faith. Hey, when... God, when God tells me one thing and the opposite happens, I call that a trial. I don't have to go, oh, what did I do wrong? <sighs> what did she do wrong? It's probably her fault. It's, it's their fault. It's that my company's fault. It's my president's fault. It's the balloon that flew over. Okay, <laughs> see, I woke you up finally. It's somebody's fault that I have anxiety. And God goes, listen, it's not about fault. It's about responsibility. When I said you're going to be blessed and your circumstance looked the opposite, will you keep faith alive? Or will you do what the children of Israel did and just the circle of grumbling? And by the way, never, nobody wants to ever grumble alone. Get some other people to grumble so you feel justified in your grumbling. And I'm going to tell you, there's only two people who didn't grumble with them. And they're the only ones who saw the promised land. Are you with me? There's a point I made last two weeks ago, but it's such a great point, And it's so powerful for where we're heading. Jesus said in Mark 11... If you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe what you say is going to happen, it will be granted to you. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, I believe, therefore I spoke. I want to give you another law of the spirit, the law of faith. Jesus said, if you say to the mountain, 
There are, when we're going through trial, one of the things, one of the weapons of warfare that we have is to take the will of God, in this case, prophecies, testimonies, whatever God said to you, and you take that and you speak it. Now, I'm not saying you necessarily tell another human. I'm talking about that voice activates faith. So you get in your prayer closet, and for those new believers, I'm not talking about a physical closet, which when someone told me that when I was a brand new believer, I used to go to the closet for a year before someone explained it didn't have to be a closet. That's a true story. I, was, I didn't know. Someone told me, you have to have a prayer closet. So I cleared everything out and went into a closet. That's what I thought they meant. But I'm talking about in the privacy of my own prayer time, I actually don't whisper. I actually speak to my mountains and I say, daughter, the Lord called you when you were four years old. We dedicated you to the Lord. You will not be a drug addict. You will be an evangelist. You will not be addicted to drugs. You will be, you will be free and I begin to speak to this mountain. I'm not speaking so some human will do something. I'm speaking so the angels will know the assignment of the Lord and go out and carry out his word. Are you with me? Paul went on in the same book, speaking to Timothy. How many of you know Timothy must have been in a faith crisis? Because almost the entire book of 1 Timothy has words of exhortation and instruction specifically about faith. And he writes this to Tim in um, 1 Timothy 4, 6. In pointing these things out to the brethren about faith, you will be a good steward of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of faith and of sound doctrines, which you've been following. And, you know, everybody knows this, but your body needs nutrition, right? I was just reading the FDA sets individual daily nutrition requirements for vitamins and minerals. And I have a whole bunch of them down. I won't go through them this time. It's embarrassing because I don't know what they mean. And I'm hoping I got enough from that cupcake I ate on the way in here. <laughs> I felt compelled. So I ate it. It said gluten-free and I'm like, so it must be good for you. <laughs> But the, 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 the point is, is that we need to create a culture of faith because like our bodies need vitamins and minerals, our spirit also feasts on words and nourishes on words of faith. So, so you probably do this like I do. Sometimes you spend three hours watching a media 10 minutes reading the Bible and wonder why you're freaking anxiety ridden all the time. Do you ever do that? You don't have to raise your hand. I will be the only one to confess my sins in here. I can do it alone. My point is, is that it matters what we feed on. If we, if we are feeding, what are, you, what are you feeding your spirit on? Are you snacking on words of doubt? Grumbling like the Israelites did in the wilderness? Or are we feasting on the word of God, partaking of the prophecies previously spoken over us, dining on words of destiny, tasting the testimonies of his divine disruptions in our life? What are we eating? 
And, and I mean this sincerely. It's like we have to create. We're in a war of faith. We got into the kingdom by faith. We're supposed to promote the kingdom by faith. I'm supposed to live by faith. I can only please God by faith. And it means I have to feast on words of faith, not words of doubt, not words of grumbling. I'm not saying you can stick your head in the sand and not, you know, not watch you know, news or something. I'm just saying when the news dictates your attitude and your spirit, you should turn the freaking thing off and feast on this for a while. Look at your prophecies and your testimonies and say, I got to stay here. I got to watch the news by faith. When I see when I see crisis in our life, the Russian-Ukrainian crisis with our brothers who God loves so much. God loves the Chinese. God loves the Russians. He loves the Ukrainians. He even loves the Americans. When I look at, when I read the news or watch the news, I have to be full of faith for the nations. I can't be another one of the grumblers politically under the political spirit who have another person to blame. I'm like, God, you put this in front of me and I say to that situation, and I won't mention any because it'll polarize people. I say to that situation right now in Jesus' name, you will come to nothing. I see our world right now. I see our world feasting on fear. And we have suicide rates are off the charts right now. Depression is everywhere. I'm like, why is that happening? Because we're listening to what the devil says instead of what the Lord says and wondering why we're under this anxiety. Are you with me? The, the uh, spies who went in the land, we all know the story. I love this story. Uh, uh, you know, it's just a great story for us because Moses sends 12 spies in the land. They come back going, man, the land is amazing. It's more amazing than we even thought it was. It's, it, it, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's just a beautiful land. But we saw the Anakin. We saw giants. And they made this statement, which has been repeated so many times. It said, but we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. We became, listen to this, like grasshoppers. They saw giants. And, and the first manifestation is we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. I'd like to point out, <laughs> I'd like to point out that when you don't have faith in you, then people don't have faith in you. <laughs> you tell people how to think of you by the grasshopper you become. Like you can always tell the size of a man by the size of a problem it takes to discourage him. And they said, we're like grasshoppers on our side. We're just like, and, and I, I, love, I love Caleb. Caleb stands up. He's my favorite guy in the story. Just, Joshua gets all the credit, but I actually love Caleb. And Caleb's like, and they shall be to us our daily bread. <laughs> I just love it. They shall be to us our daily bread. And I, I love the fact that John the Baptist came eating grasshoppers. Like, he's like, I was born to eat grasshoppers. I'm making the crooked places straight, the rough places smooth. I've come to straighten this out. And I'll just eat the things that kept you out of the promised land. Now, when you eat that kind of diet, you preach in the wilderness. You know, no one's going to invite you into sanctuary, but still is a very good point. I wrote this, facts will never satisfy a fearful heart. You can't reason a spirit of fear out of a faithless person. You can only cast it out. People who analyze things until they are paralyzed aren't looking for ways to win. They are searching for reasons to justify their unbelief. Unbelief grows in inaction. Inaction causes rocks radical faith to sleep. Fear often masquerades as wisdom, but it's a homeless coward. 
unwilling to live in the shelter of responsibility and perseverance. Never in the history of the world has so many been given so much, yet we entertain ourselves to death and wonder why our lives are riddled with broken dreams and lifeless luxury. We are convinced that we are victims of the villains of successful people. I wanna read that again. We are convinced that we are the victims of the villains of successful people in that their prosperity has somehow limited our opportunities and derailed our destinies. But the truth is, that the tr- but the truth is that faith in God, bathed in courage and propelled by perseverance will ultimately yield divine favor and supernatural success. Can I read that line one more time? But the truth is that faith in God, bathed in courage and propelled by perseverance will ultimately yield divine favor and supernatural success. That's just a good word right there. Worry is a squatter living rent-free in my mind and destroying my house of faith. Worry plants seed, weed seeds of destructive possibilities in my brain, which infect my imagination with movies of mayhem and madness. I want to make doubt a homeless vagabond that finds no habitation in my yard of possibility. That's a good word right there. That's a good word. One more point I'm going to get time to make today. Turn to James chapter 2. Verse 14. James is talking about works. And he said, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. Everybody say, is dead. dead. Being by itself. He goes on in verse 18 um, and 19 to say that faith, he said, you say, I have faith. No, sorry. For someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. He goes on to say, you believe that God is one? You do well, but the demons believe that and shudder. Are you... Are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was Abraham our father justified by, oh, sorry, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see his works, you see works, I'm sorry, you see that faith was working with his works. As a result of his works, faith was perfected. And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And it goes on to say, verse 26, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And I'd like to point out that faith catalyzes, I'm sorry, that works catalyze faith. So what do I do when I'm in the trial of faith? Well, one thing I do, right, we already talked about it, is faith is voice activated. So I begin to speak to my mountain. Are you with me? I I cultivate the garden of faith by isolating myself at times from words of doubt and feeding myself with testimonies and prophecies. Are you with me? I'm just telling you like, how do I, what do I actually do when I'm in a trial of faith? I begin to feed myself with testimonies and prophecies. I isolate myself from doubters. I'm not saying forever, but when I'm in a crisis of faith, right? I begin to speak to my mountains. And here's the third key. 
I bring about works that catalyze my faith. When I was a young man in high school, I took an arts class and they taught us how to work with resin. Has anyone ever here worked with resin before? Uh, if, you, if you haven't, I'll, I'll give you a little hint. You usually go down and you buy resin in gallons. So you buy a gallon can of resin and then they, you have to buy a catalyst to make the resin hard. Otherwise it just stays runny and gooey. And I, the first time I went down to buy it, um, the teacher said, hey, everybody has to go buy a gallon of resin and, uh, and a catalyst. And so I went down and bought the gallon, the gallon of resin. They sent me a, gave me a catalyst and the catalyst was like this little two ounce bottle. And I, like, having never worked with it before, I'm like, I'm sorry, I got a gallon of resin. I'm gonna need the catalyst. And the guy's like, yeah, that catalyst, that will catalyze your entire gallon. Your entire gallon. And he explained to me that you pour the resin in and you put just a few drops just a few drops of catalyst and you mix it up. And if you put too much catalyst in it, it'll get hot and crack. If you don't put enough in it, it'll stay sticky and gooey. Have you ever ate at a restaurant where they, the top of the tables were sticky? It's because they used resin and they didn't put enough hardener in it. And what I'm getting at is that it just takes a few drops of resin to make, I'm sorry, of catalyst to make the resin hard. But if you don't have those, you just have goo. Listen, if you have faith, but you don't put a few drops of works in there, you just have goo. You just have goo. And what I'm getting at is that faith is actually catalyzed through works. James said, James put it profoundly. He said, the body, faith without works is like a body with no spirit. I mean, that is a profound statement. Like your body without your spirit is dead. And he said, if you say you have faith, but that faith doesn't move you to action, that faith you say you have is completely dead, useless, put on the shelf. It is not working in your life. If I say, I believe my son is coming home, but I don't actionize that belief. I don't pray for my son to come home. I don't, maybe I send him a text. And you're like, oh, I don't send him text. He's not going to text me back. You're not texting him so that you can catalyze your relationship first. You're texting him so you can catalyze your faith. You may text him a hundred times before he ever does anything. You're not texting him to first build a connection. You're texting him first to build a catalyst into the invisible realm so that you say, angels go, I have catalyzed the word of the Lord. I have moved in action and I'm waiting for you to do what you said you do when I do what I said I do. Are you with me? Maybe I set a table for him. Maybe I make his favorite meal and I put it in the freezer. I'm like, he's gonna come home. I'm killing the fattened calf, metaphorically speaking. I'm pointing out that physical obedience brings spiritual release. I can't sit there as a victim and, you know, pick my nose hairs. Wow. <laughs> Even if you're not a victim, don't pick those nose hairs, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm just pointing out that faith is catalyzed through action. If I'm wondering why what I pray for and quote, believe for, is it happening? Maybe I should go back and check through my list. Have I spoke to my mountain? Have I built a garden of faith or am I, am I entrenched 
in doubting and wonder why nothing happens. Because James says you'll be a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The word unstable means a man who cannot stand straight. I'm a man who can't stand straight when I am double-minded. Oh, it's gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. It's gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. We've all been through that. There's no, there, there, you're with me. We're, I'm not shaming anybody, I'm just saying, I'm trying to get us, I'm trying to get me and us to move in faith and say, these things are supposed to happen. I'm supposed to move in extraordinary miracles and I can only do it if I'm single-minded and I go, this is gonna happen. Well, here's 20 times it didn't happen before. I don't care what happened before. What I care about is what's gonna happen next. Are you with me? And I believe that we have entered a kingdom that has new laws. And we are under the law of faith. And I don't know about you, but I have a whole bunch of stuff in my life that has been going on for a long time that needs to change. In me, in my kids, in my family, in this family, in our finances. I mean, a lot of things. A lot of things. And it's not going to change when I lay in my bed and worry about it. That's not going to change it. A strategy without faith is not going to change it. Talking to 15 people that don't have faith about it is probably going to make it worse. We tend to validate all the reasons why it's not going to happen. We were meeting recently, and, and I said, this is, uh, I, I'd love for this to be our goal. And someone said, well, we had that goal last year. It didn't happen. I just wanted to say, shut up. But I didn't. I was very kind. I said, shush. Be thou quiet. <laughs> I just really want us to move in faith. That's my point. I'm, I am making efforts in my life as a 68-year-old man who's been saved for 50 years. I'm like, I don't want this to be my plateau. I don't want, to be, I don't want this to be my best years. I don't. And I, I, I want to I see extraordinary miracles. And I want to see extraordinary miracles in the areas that I have deeply care about. And so, you know, we got prophetic words about this being a city under the influence of the kingdom. And Bill has done the most gracious job. It's like, okay, this is a prophetic word. What's our action? We started tithing to our city. We developed a BGR team. You probably know this, but I thought you should be proud of your, of, your, of your team if you don't know this. This is part of what you're funding every day. We spend a million dollars on equipment so that our students can go and our congregation can go out every week into our city and do simple things like mentor kids to teach them how to read and write, how, keep the parks clean, you know, uh, um, um, take care of landscape. I mean, practical things, spiritual things, and we just do it every week. We, we, gave, uh, we, we raised 1.2 million for the airport, uh, for the um, LA uh, uh, United trip to go to LA every day. Um, we put up almost 800,000 of that. Why? Because our city needed a connection with LA to help the local economy. I, I just want, I could go on and on. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that we, what we learned and what I've learned from Bill and what we learned from each other is that you have to actionize faith. You can't just sit back and go, God said, we're gonna have one city under the kingdom. It's like, what does that look like? And how do we catalyze that? Like, how do we move in action? And it might be giving 
a cup of water to a man under a bridge, which we do all the time. We feed all week long the, the homeless and the poor, but we also touch the, the up and outer. We also touch, we also have built a relationship with our, our county officials and our city officials, not so that we can manipulate them, but so we can actualize and catalyze this prophetic word that this will be a beautiful city. That people will come in the city and they will experience the king. I want to give a few prophetic words this morning before we're done. Is that okay? Um, I did this in the first service too. Is there someone in here, the last name of Brown? Brown, if you would, would you stand up? I have a word for you. <laughs> this is a good, listen, I really got this in the bathtub this morning. Don't picture that. <laughs> Five o'clock this morning. But I, I like it's Brown because, I mean, in first service, seven people stood up at the Twin View. I think nine people stood up. I'm like, this is Mrs. Brown has a lovely daughter. I'll tell you that. So, um, that's awesome. Are you the only one in this room? Oh, is Brown over there? Oh, awesome. I, I, I heard this, that God is reconciling your relationships and he's resetting your attitudes. And I feel like there's some, I feel like it, the, those of you who are standing with the last name Brown, probably lots of us in here, but specifically, I feel like the Lord is reconciling relationships that have been broken for, uh, in some case, like a decade. And, uh, and he's also changing your attitude. When I mean attitude, I don't mean like you have a bad attitude. I mean the attitude like that's never going to fix. They, you know, I've just I've given up hope. I feel like the Lord is inspiring hope right now in in in, in y'all, and that He's He's changing the way you see that relationship. And then the last thing I got for you is that you're actually going to be a reconciler of relationships. So the Lord isn't just reconciling your relationships, but you're going to be like I see you like the glue that's gluing other people's relationships together. And, uh, I, and I saw it really strong in first service that there was somebody that had the reconciliation of ethnic groups. But I just feel like it's that big. I feel like it's bigger than you. It's bigger than anything you've thought about before. So I released that and I'd like you to say, I received that in Jesus' name. That's a good word. Um, Jesus is healing hepatitis C. If you have that, would you stand please? If you have hepatitis C, would you stand please? Thank you. Anybody else? Not to shame you, Jesus just, he's healing you right now. Would you extend your hands to these guys? Uh, I, re I release healing for hepatitis C. And I pray that you would go back to the doctor in the next month and they would not even find that you ever had it. In Jesus' name. I release that to you in Jesus' name. And if there's any kind of uh, anything attached to it, I just break that off of you too. In Jesus' name. There was uh, someone, you were in a bike accident, you were actually hit on the right side and you have some kind of brain injury on the, uh, maybe on your whole brain, but you were actually, the accident happened on your right side of a back, uh, bike accident. You still have brain injury. Would you stand right now? Jesus is healing someone. Okay, that's good. Anybody else? Oh, and online, sorry, all you all online. Shh, I forgot, half of our family. And so online too, if you're there, stand up. We're gonna have our online pastors interact with you too. Lord, we just release healing for this man right here and for our online team, our online family. We just bless them. We bless this man. And I bless your brain. I, 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 uh, uh, all the side effects of concussion and brain swelling and, uh, and memory loss and um, also uh, uh, fatigue and exhaustion. I don't know what all that's about but we just break the power of that in Jesus' name. That trauma is to leave your body. Same online right now. That trauma is to leave your body in Jesus' name. And you to be, you're to be fog-free. You are to be anxiety-free. Your mind is clearing up. Even as I speak right now, your mind is clearing up. 
those uh, crazy kind of weird headaches uh, are, are leaving right now in Jesus' name. And, uh, and you're, you're, uh, you have the mind of Christ. You have a healthy brain in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Um, this is one, June, there's June 17th, 2020. God is healing uh, a person who had extreme trauma on June 17th, 2020. That's you. Cool. The Lord's healing you right now. Put your hands on this, on this young man. Lord, we release total and complete restoration, spirit, soul, and body over him. We break the power of trauma. We break the power of the of the, uh, the, uh, the waves of trauma. And uh, one good day and three bad days. We say no, every day is a good day from this day forward. We say that the Lord is removing the pain. He's even fogging the memory on purpose of it. And I release total and complete restoration and that the Lord would give you a ministry to other people who are in trauma. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, there's somebody, uh, let's see, this is one we haven't done. Yet. There's uh, somebody named Rhonda and you're dealing with depression. Maybe you're online or maybe you're in the room. Would you stand right now? The Lord's healing you from depression right now. Is your name Rhonda and, you, and you're dealing with depression. Okay, let's just extend our hand to the screen uh, because uh, a lot of people have stood for depression, which we're gonna pray for in a minute, but not a Rhonda. So I really feel strongly, this is the only word that hasn't happened today. And Lord, I, I pray right now for Rhonda, who's online, who will maybe watch this later. We just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give her joy for mourning, a mantle of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, that the cutting would stop, that the, that the uh, five times you've been in, uh, in, in, um, in emergency would be gone, and that in Jesus' name, you would live with so much peace and laughter would enter your home right now in Jesus' name. If, now, if you're struggling with depression, would you stand right now? I'm gonna finish this prayer for you. You're struggling with depression. Hey, I, I, you know, I led us into depression years ago, so I definitely had it. You struggle with depression, just stand right now. You're like, I, I think some of you, like I've been praying for so many times, I don't wanna be disappointed. But what if you get healed today? What if you get healed today? So would you stand if you're struggling with depression? Just stand right now, what can you lose? So I, I pray right now for the Lord to heal you heal you from depression. And again, I want to prophesy this. This Lord gave me this last service, that there will be laughter in your home again. There will be laughter in your home again, and it won't just be your children. You will be leading the laughter in your home again, in Jesus' name. And I release you from images that bring depression on you, self-destructive thoughts, things that, that work against your joy. And I'll say the joy of the Lord will be your strength. It won't just be a verse. You will tell other people, I don't know, that crazy prophet called me out and all of a sudden, I just got, you know, joy, joy just, just overcame me. And when you get home, laughter is gonna begin in your bedroom and it's gonna spread your front room, your kitchen. And I, I, I heard this morning, I heard one of your children go, what happened to mom? I, I think she's in there laughing. And I just bless your house with joy and laughter in Jesus' name. And it's um, good. I'm gonna go just a couple minutes over. I know that I'm over. Um, would you stand, please? Yes. And I, I, I heard the Lord say that you're like a life coach, and, uh, but you're a Holy Spirit life coach. And I see people coming to you that are in, uh, that are in uh, business, they're in leadership, in, in politics, and they go, well, I have this problem, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, let me tell you what's really going on. And I see you getting to the root 
of people's issues, when they bring symptoms, you're like, that's not the problem, this is the real problem. And I see you being like, we call them strategies, spirit-led strategies. I see you giving spirit-led strategies to leaders and I see you being a true life coach that's actually bringing life to coaching. Not just, not just insights, but life. And I release that over you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Um, would you stand? What's your name? Caitlin? Oh, Caitlin. Caitlin, you're beautiful. And I see the Lord opening doors for you. And, and I see uh, ladies coming around you and they're like uh, homeless people, homeless people. And I see the Lord giving you compassion. I see you waking up in the middle of the night, weeping for a person you saw when you were, when you were passing the bridge. And you're like, I don't know, I'm gonna, I gotta go find their name. And I feel like you're gonna do documentaries on homeless people. You're gonna give a name to the face. You're gonna tell their story, but you're also gonna bring a whole, uh, 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 a whole I, see, I see this entourage of people behind you that, are, that have different kinds of gifts to help people in crisis. And I see you as a strategic leader bringing compassion and strategy and wisdom to people in crisis. And so I bless you in that, in Jesus' name. Okay, would you stand, please? If you're uh, in the room today and you don't know the Lord, um, you're in church, so <laughs> it's what we call spirit-led. Like, you came here because the Holy Spirit led you here. And maybe you're here and you just have walked away from the Lord and you're like, I, you're here as an act of faith, actually. This is your action today, you came to church. And if that's you, I, would you raise your hand? I have a word for you, I'd like, to, I'd like to give you a prophetic word. If you came here today and you don't know the Lord, I see somebody pointing to someone, but I don't know who it is. You're, do you raise your hand high, please? Yeah, that's so good. Um, I heard the phrase, the Lord's gonna take the two and make them one. I, I don't know if that's your marriage or what that is, but I see, I see congruity coming to your relationships, both with the Lord, with the relationships around you. And I feel like this is a season of great restoration. Yep. And, um, and uh, I feel to tell you that Job says, with the worm eaten, has eaten, what the cankerworm has destroyed, it's a prophetic language for things that have happened in your life that have eaten away at your life. God, and Joel prophesied he's going to restore the years that the locust destroyed, that the cankworm's eaten. And I believe that God's given you 20 years back. And I bless what's happening to you in Jesus' name. And uh, when we dismiss, I want you to come up and go right over here. It just take 10 minutes, but I'd love for one of my friends to pray for you. Would that be good? Okay, is there somebody else? I felt like there was somebody right back here. Is there somebody right back here? Towards the back, you've come today and you actually have walked away from the Lord, but you, you came here as an act of faith to come back. Is that you? Would you just raise your hand? Someone right back there. Okay, great. I'm going to pray for you all. Lord, I bless this day. I thank you that this is the day that you made, that you have plans not for calamity, but for a future and a hope. And Lord, may hope rise in every single person today. And may we obtain things that have been lost for generations in our family lineage. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless. 
Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.